0: Film. Inyaki, I have a question for you. Uh, are you Japanese? Uh, no. No. Yeah. No. Are you Japanese, boy? Because let me tell you something. Only the Japanese know to use a knife on themselves properly. Only the Japanese. <laughs> uh, welcome to the Film to Film podcast, uh, where we are, have another Italian crime film, Revolver, 1973. Uh, um, the uh, How are you doing, Inyaki?
1: I'm doing pretty well. How about you?
0: I'm doing all right. So this is our fourth Polizio Teschi film uh, that we brought on, Italian crime film from the 1970s. Uh, The basic synopsis of this is a prison official enlists the aid of a former convict in an attempt to rescue his kidnapped wife. Uh, Does that sound about right? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Um is that from Wikipedia uh, or is that uh from you? That is I believe from Wikipedia. Nice. Uh, I don't write these. This is easier to copy paste than it is to uh think with your brain. <laughs> um so uh came out in 1973. It looks like this one was a little bit less successful than some of the other ones we did. Grossed 477 million ne- lira. Um It's, uh, if you go on to IMDb or Letterboxd and look at sort of how many votes it has, it's sort of similar, a little bit less popular than Italian Connection, similar to Street Law in terms of how many views, so uh, not the most uh, popular Polizioteschi, that would be something like Calibre 9, but Hmm. um, it's, if you're looking for like the 8th or ninth most popular, this is definitely one you'd uh, come on. Um, So this is my second time viewing it. and this is your first, I believe. What, what were your initial impressions of uh, Revolver?
1: You know, I actually really like this movie. I think uh, this might be my favorite out of the movies if, if we wa- we watched. Uh, right on. All the Pilgrim Teskeys. So, definitely, yeah.
0: Nice. Uh, yeah, and I, uh, I also quite like this film. Uh, it's my second time viewing it. And I think it's quite different uh, seeing it in sort of this context than I think the first three films that we've seen um it was directed by um sergio salima who is a little bit older than the other directors uh, he recently passed away but he was 52 at the time of making this film which means he's sort of from a different generation from uh enzo castellari and fernando de leo who were in the 30s when they made their films um so he was actually a member of the italian resistance where he fought the uh fascists. Uh, He's known to be a little bit more left-leaning than some of the other directors, Uh, and he basically worked in genre cinema for a long time. He's most famous, I think, probably internationally, for um, spaghetti westerns. Uh, He's probably the third most famous director there. So he did uh, three of those, uh, all of which are considered to be um, genre classics. Um, And his son is also a film director who directed Sicario 2 um and is kind of a prominent in the italian film scene as well so that's just a little background on sergio Salima, and i i think he sort of brings a different um different mentality to this film um to me this film uh is a little bit less in that pulp category and a little bit i, I can sort of see the western adventure influences in this too um and so it makes sense to me given his background
1: yeah no definitely and i mean uh I mean, this is probably the first movie where you see people leaving the city going to different places, so definitely you, 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 do, you clearly have uh, an adventure element to it that uh, the other movies don't necessarily have,
0: right? Yeah, I mean, we are, I'd say most of the story takes place in Milan and Paris, uh, so still that urban setting, but right in the middle there. We go up in the mountains, we go up in the French Alps, we cross the border, Um, so it kind of has a little bit of that road movie vibe going on as well. Right. Um, So I think one of the cool things about these Polizio Teschis is just sort of like their setting. It's like in Street Lot, it's set in Genoa. The other first two films we watched were set in Milan, and they sort of have this really gritty urban setting. Um, and this, this film also revolver takes, does take place in these big cities too, but I do feel like it sort of has a different feel to it. It's like foggier. Um, it's, uh, you see less people around. Um, generally it's like a little bit more brooding and intense. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, did you have any, um, thoughts on that? There's a little bit like less hustle bustle, um, involved here too. I mean, in, in a way this
1: movie felt a little bit closer to maybe a noir, uh, if we were to be thinking about how mm. how uh, the scenes and the shots are taken are a little bit more of uh, you, you can you can take it take in the city in a slower pace. Uh, it doesn't feel as rushed as uh, the other Polizia Poliukhovskiy's movies. Um, so I would say, especially with the framing and the scenes in Paris, where you have just uh, less of the handheld camera, more of you know tripods and really taking in the city the, the the scene which makes it seem larger than in the other movies
0: interesting yeah I've never been to Paris so how do you feel about how it was portrayed did it uh, I, I know you've been there before I mean they shot
1: it in the city and you can you can definitely tell like you know I mean beyond the Eiffel Tower from uh, from the uh, that guy's window you, you can tell it's I mean, if you've been in well, Paris, you can tell, you know, the
0: river and other things. So. Okay, so they didn't shoot it in fake, fake Paris and Rome or something like that. No, I don't think so. <laughs> so pretty clearly on location. Um, I think you're right on about that noir piece. I think this film it kind of brings a certain mood and environment to the city that's a little bit more, um, I don't know, just a little uh, more uh, dreadful. Like it's full dread uh, uh, and. I think you're also right about it just sort of being a little bit more leisurely in its pacing. This is one of the longest teskis I've seen, um, mm-hmm. it's be, just because it's an hour and 50 minutes. These films tend to be quite short, um, but this covers a lot more um, just legwork in terms of cities, and, and it feels like it's just a touch more ambitious than those other films. The plot's a lot more complicated. Um, yeah, did you have a hard time following the plot at all? Uh, I'm curious about that. Uh.
1: Not following the plot, maybe following the, uh, the intentions of the characters, but I think that's Mm -hmm. intended. Uh, I I mean, the plot at the end of the day is pretty straightforward, right?
0: I think the basics of the plot are simple, but if you're trying to figure out what the sort of, this is a spoiler filled podcast, by the way, but if you're trying to figure out what the sort of like nefarious, uh, systems are at work, sort of in the last 45 minutes or so. Right. I feel like that—that's not obvious.
1: No, I, I guess not. But uh, I mean, I, maybe I'm not 100 percent sure what the antagonist wanted to do. Uh, I forget the name of the man, but uh, but the, that the system is all screwed up is pretty straightforward.
0: Yeah, 100 percent agree. Yeah, we have uh, there's a person we know that is very into potholes and figuring that out. We'll just call him. Uh, Nathaniel, um, and he, uh, Stop it. I don't think he, I don't think he would like this movie, um, just because, uh, it's, a. Uh, it's not quite so, uh, straightforward, and it's a little bit trickier to, uh, figure out what's, who's, who's doing what for what reason. Um, but I think you're right. Uh, that the most important part is the two main characters, I think their main motivations are clear enough, at least, to be able to follow it throughout the story. hmm Um... Yeah, uh, one thing we talked about a little bit before the film um, was uh, this is done by uh, the late uh, Ennio Morricone, the composer, um, who directed, uh, the, who, who provided the music for this film. What did you think of the score?
1: I thought the score was great.
0: Um, you can definitely tell from, I mean, from just,
1: I'm going to go into tangent with uh, Ennio Morricone because we haven't talked about him, especially since he died not too long ago. But you can definitely tell the man was a professional. Uh, all his scores are very different for each movie, which means that you know he clearly saw the movie and envisioned what uh, what was intended for uh, for, uh, for it. So with this one, it's a very 70s score for sure. But unlike a western, you know this is definitely more poppy. Uh, it, you can feel sort of the Pop genre of that era, not even rock genre, but just straight up pop, uh, European pop to be precise. Um, makes me think of, you know, a little bit of ABBA in, in a way of the the, the the feel of this of the soundtrack in general, and uh, especially when you first hear the the, the the opening. So in the opening, when you have uh, when you have the uh, the one of the main characters' friends dying, and as soon as he dies, you have this poppy song coming in and it really sets the stage of what what's gonna come next. And you know, Bravo. I like I like his uh score style in general.
0: Yeah, no, I think he's great. And I think you're right. I mean this store score, he's probably most famous from for his spaghetti western scores, like the good, the bad and the ugly. And the score is just one hundred percent different than those mm-hmm. scores. And I think it basically has two different pieces that they play over and over in this one. The first one I think You mentioned uh, Un Amico uh, and uh, that sort of is played by the pop star in this storyline which is kind of an interesting, I had forgotten about that subplot when I reviewed, when I rewatched this film. Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of interesting, I I didn't, it's not exactly what you expect when you come into uh, these Polizio Tesky ones the idea that like um, sort of this popular culture, this pop music it almost means that it sort of implies that it's part of these systems and this commercialism that is all sort of like complicit in this. Uh, I don't know. That's complicit in this sort of dark uh, system that uh, you know is not good for normal people.
1: Right. It's complicit on, and and also a tool. So that the pop star he is straight up a tool. Uh, as soon as they don't need him, they kill him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. True. Um, but also, uh, just, just a cool song. It's a good song. Uh, yeah. and the other one I'd say is more on that, you know, it's just sort of badass. It's, it's just like cool sounding. And that's more of the soundtrack that plays, uh, during the action, during some of those fog filled, uh, Milan or, or Paris scenes. Um, and I also enjoy that piece quite a bit too. Um, I think it's just called Revolver. I was listening to the soundtrack right before we started filming. Um, so those were the first two songs that come up if you look it up so uh also a pretty cool piece um yeah so uh i think this film in some ways structurally is sort of like a uh a buddy film in a certain way although it has a terribly cynical ending uh where Mm -hmm. one of the buddies kills the other buddy uh but it kind of has that odd couple feel to it where you have like um the prison warden basically being forced to uh work together with this sort of common criminal. Uh, the prison warden, played by Oliver Reed, who is British, um, who was uh, not the most popular person uh, amongst his peers, uh, to say the least. But he's just a big physical guy. Uh, and uh, I like the way that they sort of portray him um, just like when he's fighting. He's just like a brute. The guy is like a, a like a rhino that's just like unhinged a bit and he's just like distraught he's constantly sweating um and i think he adds a lot of grit to the film what do you think of the the two leads here
1: i actually really liked it uh just neither of them so a common theme in, the, in this place to see movies that we've been watching uh, is that the, the main characters are not necessarily likable here you've seen, you follow the same, similar trend but you empathize with him a lot more uh and I, I, I feel like the actor really brought that in, uh, really brought this, uh, read at least really brought that emotion. Uh, and you know, you feel you feel his conflict as well as, as well as the other guy, uh, Fabio, I think was his name. F-
0: F- yeah. Fabio testi, which sounds super Italian. Um, and, he right. is Italian. and <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's an interesting, car- uh, actor as well. He's, only three years younger than Reed, I would have guessed that they were a full decade apart from just this film. I think Reed looks much older than Fabio Testi does. Uh, he used to be a stunt man. Uh, he's gives. He's just a very difficult, different physical presence. He's much more of your stereotypical slim, tall, leading man, athletic.
1: Yeah, and I thought I mean, because both of them did, do have a pre- an interesting presence in general. Uh, I would say Reed he. As you mentioned already, he's kind of a brute. He's, it's implied how strong he is, uh, the way he lifts his wife with complete ease. Like I, that was one scene. It's the first scene where, when, the, the, uh, when he's introduced, him and his wife, uh, as they're walking, I'm like, she has to be holding on to something, and no, the, the man is just lifting her up like, if, uh, like if she was super light. Um, and although he doesn't look very, uh, very strong. He kind of looks kind of chubby,
0: in my opinion. He, he doesn't look like he's running on the treadmill every day. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if if you're doing a team triathlon, I wouldn't want uh, Oliver Reed or playing uh, Vito Cipriani uh, in this movie on my side. But if you were in a barroom brawl, I would pick him 100%. Oh, well, I would yes. want him on my side. Um well, uh, Sergio Salima, when he was interviewed about this film, uh, so Oliver Reed is known a bit as a, uh, a lover of the spirits. Uh, oh. So he said, Well, Oliver was a very lovely person until 2 or 3 in the afternoon. Let's say around the 25th or 26th bottle of wine. He could hold the wow. liquor no problem. After that, it would be more difficult. Therefore, we had to shoot the scenes during the early bottles. Just kidding. Well, not really. all right so uh oliver reed uh not the uh (laughs) not the most uh uh i don't know maybe the impression i got was he wasn't terribly well liked except for um fabio testi who seemed to get along well with him but i think he's great in this film
1: maybe that's why he's sweaty all the time
0: too (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know if i could tell when he like what bottle of wine he's on in each shot or not but i'm guessing uh Uh, (laughs) many (laughs) yeah yeah 25th or 26th bottle of wine uh that's crazy um so uh yeah uh, i i think the characters uh together they have pretty good chemistry i like the sort of just contrast between the two uh one thing i like too uh that Salima does is this film, you know, it has a little bit less action, I'd feel like, especially compared to the film we just watched, Street Law, which I feel like loves to dwell on the action. It's filled with slow-mo. It's very oh, stylized. I thought, I thought you
1: were comparing, uh, comparing it with To Kill a Man.
0: Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, compared to To Kill a Man, too. It's, it's, uh, to Kill a Man is very unstylized. Uh, it... <laughs> to Kill a Man has
1: very little action,
0: though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Well, this film has action, but it's very quick. Um, there's not many like long set pieces. It's very over, uh, it, people shoot, and uh, cars move quite quickly, and, and then it's over in a minute or two.
1: Um,
0: mm-hmm. do you think of the, uh, it, oh yeah, it's gonna say, um, and when you see uh, Reed uh, playing Vito Cipriani and Milo, uh, who is uh, Fabio Testi's character, uh, you kind of get uh, their personality sort of just through the way they uh, do their action scenes too. It's another thing I, I like about this film. What do you think about um, sort of those set pieces, those action pieces? Um, uh... I, I
1: agree. They are they're quite short. I mean, the, the only scene that uh, sticks in my mind is uh, when he's driving off uh, when he's driving off the gas station, uh, and you have that cop holding onto the uh, truck. And
0: yeah, yeah. That's yeah. like
1: the only scene where I feel like. It's more similar to the other Police the movies. Beyond that, the other ones are just them running, really, but, uh, but not even having anyone nearby. Like, even the opening chase scene, if you can call it that, it's, uh, that would be uh, Milo and his friend running away from the cops. You don't even see the cops. You just hear them, and then they drive off. So although there is urgency, you don't see it in the film itself.
0: Right, and it's almost scarier that way too. just gives more of a big brother feel rather than like, oh, here's two bumbling police officers or something like that. Right. Um, Another one that I think is worth mentioning, another quick set piece is sort of that shootout in Paris that they Mm. have where they're supposedly exchanging the wife. One thing that I think um, is uh, related, at least to the truck driver scene that you mentioned, is uh, in that shootout, uh, an innocent person that's just on the street gets shot. Um, and, uh, they, the, the guy tries to get him, them to take him to the hospital and they're just, they just ignore him basically. Um, and they leave him there just sort of bleeding on the street, uh, which I think is an interesting choice. And I think, uh, thinking about it a bit more, just these combination of scenes, I think it talks, the film, uh, sort of commentates on, on the impact that, uh, these people just have. It's like their action is very condensed, but even then there's um, innocent bystanders that are harmed uh, during the course of these things.
1: Yeah, I didn't even think about that. But you, you're right, uh, and, and the movie doesn't shy away from showing it very clearly. Right. Um, and maybe that's uh, another take of you know the. You can you can see that this movie doesn't glorify anything that anyone is doing.
0: No, no, not at all. It's... Uh,
1: yeah, you can see that.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it, you don't feel it's not, this is not an uplifting film.
1: No, not at all. Um, what, 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 what I find interesting about this movie, um, I, I feel like you can make actually quite a bit of comparisons between this and uh, street law, mm-hmm. if street law, but with the street law, basically putting it in a positive light because I mean, the themes are still are, are there in both, both, both of the movies. The system is corrupt. The, the cops don't really work for the people. They, they really don't do anything for the people. And you know, you have a man chasing, you have a man trying to do something. Well, one for revenge and this one to save his wife, but, uh, but still taking the law onto his own hands.
0: Do you think he had a, a better justification for his actions than Carlo Antonelli?
1: Uh, Slightly, (laughs) but in 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 this one though, the character he ends badly. I mean, actually, no, this character ends well. He ends with his wife. Like, plot wise, he actually you know gets his wife back and goes back to the job he has, and basically, it's implied that nothing bad is going to happen to him.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. However, he's inside. He's destroyed. Yeah. Well, on, on Street Law, you have uh, this man doesn't get his money back. The cops basically say like you're not going to ever be treated as a hero. We're going to take that from the report. You're just going to have to do what we tell you. However, the man ends up happy because he brought revenge to the uh, he, he brought justice himself.
0: Right. I love the concluding shot for this film where they end up killing the I guess the lead villain in this film. Um, And it just sort of shows you that he's just a small piece of this whole, uh, I don't don't even want to call it organization, but basically the whole system. Um, And he just chooses not to identify him. um, And just the reactions that both him and his wife was slowly backing away. And it just shows how he is now complicit in the system. And he's also kind of a broken man, as you stated earlier. Yes. Yes. another similarity in a less serious note to uh street law is that uh both of the films uh they have the uh protagonist interrupt someone from having sex uh in in this film it's a uh it's a threesome (laughs) with a with a uh person that seems to use the treadmill even less than oliver reed uh to put it lightly uh um but I actually have nothing to say about this scene, but I just wanted to bring that up to your attention.
1: Well, and then the third thing is that they both sport a very thick porn mustache.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this is also true. They are both in the 70s. They could uh, hop onto the set of Boogie Nights and and just be uh, one of the boys on there uh, (laughs) if they wanted to. Um but yeah, I, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think this film overall, to talk about some of the larger themes, I think it wrestles a lot more with the morals of it all, um, and uh, it's sort of, uh, the dilemma at the end is quite interesting, where it mm-hmm. sort of makes it so uh, the system actually forces him to kill, or at least be trapped in a situation where he needs to choose to kill uh, for his wife's sake or to... Uh, or or basically get totally screwed over, I guess. Right. Um, I don't even know what the alternative is. Um, well, well the alternative. Tries...
1: I, th- I think the alternative basically is the wife dies and he ends up in prison for letting someone free.
0: Right. And Fabio Testi's character, Milo, probably also dies because they'll probably eventually catch him. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think it's uh, the last 20 minutes are almost devastating just the way that it, it shows that. Um,
1: I, I completely agree. I. I mean, so I think maybe the reason I like this movie is because the director and the, the writer pulled no punches here. Like, from the beginning, even the last 20 minutes is where, you know, the main character is affected by how screwed up the system, how, how the system's fully screwed up, you're going to see it all, all the way in the beginning. Uh, or not all the way in the beginning, but pretty early on that the system is messed up. For example... Uh, As soon as he's blackmailed uh, to free Milo, he beats Milo in order for him to get a doctor, right? So he has a doctor appointment, and that allows him to go to the shower and escape. There is an off-screen conversation between the doctor and the other warden that basically sets a stage where the warden is like, oh... uh, Myelin is to have an appointment with you tomorrow. He needs an X-ray, and the doctor is like, "For what? Uh, oh, you know, the usual. Uh, perhaps broken ribs and a hit on the face." And the doctor basically responds, uh, "Did Did he fall? Did he fall down the stairs, just like everyone else?" And the ward is like, "Yeah." <laughs> and, and and you right there, you know that basically all of these uh, prisoners are.
0: For lack of other words, tortured by the wardens. Are you sure they just don't have, like, really small stairs that people tend to slip on? (laughs) Maybe that too. I I just, I mean, that just caught my attention, that conversation. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, Like, it tells
1: you the system screwed up
0: from Mm -hmm. the beginning. Um, One other... Uh, side character I wanted to bring in was uh, Carlotta who plays the hippie girl who -hmm. basically helps to smuggle them over the border. I thought she was like an uncommonly in-depth character uh, in this film. Uh, If you recall in the Italian Connection, Luca Canale uses like a hippie girl uh, to sort of help him out and shelter him for a night. And she sort of reminds me of that, but this film I think takes her to another level. And she seems to understand the system in a way that Milo doesn't. And mm-hmm. she sort of calls him stupid at the end because she, she has a way that she can sort of fight the system, take it to the press and stuff like that. But instead he's very sort of uh short-sighted and myopic about uh, what he wants. He just, uh, he's like, no, I just want money uh, and to get away. So um, it's interesting the way that she's portrayed because she's actually quite an intelligent character.
1: Yes. Yeah, so it's kind of sad how he at the end changes his mind and wants to do what she, uh, she told him to do, but it was too late. Yeah. Uh, but no you you're you you're right i feel like uh, as a character though she is in the movie way less than uh the 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 female character in um
0: Italian connection. Italian
1: connection uh she has way more agency what she says is a lot more important actually yeah. she brings a solution a real solution to the problem well what we assume it's real actually we don't know we never get to see it
0: Right. I mean, it's smarter than Milo's decision. I mean, may, it, it may have had the same outcome in the end where everyone just dies, but uh, it, it sounded like it had more of a chance to succeed at least. Yes. To us, the, the listener. Um, all right. Well, I think uh, I had a couple highlights to this film just in terms of scenes and stuff like that. For me, uh, I think the opening 20 minutes are a big highlight and the last 20 minutes um the opening 20 minutes i think it's just uh i like the way that they set up all the characters we sort of start with that uh uh, milo and his friend going away and you know the opening kind of reminded me a little bit of um reservoir dogs actually um Mm. just the way that tim roth and um uh, harvey keitel uh where it's like there's literally a shot in the gut and he's uh they're sort of like caring for each other, obviously where they go and the outcome of it is totally different, but sort of that aspect where it's almost, there's a little bit of like, um, like it's almost like a little bit more than friends, if you know what I mean. And yeah. I don't know if that's, that's intended to be homoerotic or whatever, but uh, I got like a little bit of those vibes to it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm not sure if I saw things, but I, I feel like I saw them kissing even, like when he was when he was about to die.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not European, so I wasn't sure how much of that is just different culture versus, uh, uh, like, a a more of an intimate relationship.
1: I I think a kiss in the mouth is intimate. Uh, like if it was on the forehead or the the cheek, but you cannot really see if it was in the mouth or not. Not that it matters. I mean, at the end of the day, whether, whether they they were, they were gay or not, it's more about how much they loved each other as
0: true. Speaking of which, the alternate title to this film, which I personally, I personally like Revolver, but it's In the Name of Love.
1: Ooh. Okay.
0: Very different. Um, I actually like Revolver more. Uh, I like one-word titles that, you know, just sort of get to the point. But it's interesting because In the Name of Love focuses a lot more on sort of that and obviously um, uh, Vito Cipriani's relationship to his wife. Yeah, it's true. Um, but anyways, back to the opening, uh, starts with that. And then we sort of get introduced to, uh, we see, I think, a political assassination next, uh, where they basically just drive up and with a motorcycle and kill someone. And then we see this pop star identify the body, uh, and eventually we get introduced to, um, the warden as well. And sort of that senior describing where him and his wife, uh, have sex, uh, And uh, he gets called into uh, the prison and has to ask a prisoner if he's Japanese or not, uh, which (laughs) which I found to be very funny, uh, personally speaking. Uh, I enjoyed that scene. Um, (laughs) uh, And uh, it concludes with sort of Reed being forced to break uh, uh, Milo out of prison. So I think that opening 20 minutes, it's probably the fastest 20 minutes in the film, but it just sets up all of your different storylines, all your characters uh, really well. And I think they did a really thoughtful job of just doing it in a sort of a diverse way. Um, True. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I, I agree. I agree. I know
1: uh, it almost feels like this movie is more character driven through, through the introduction because you get a, a good, in comparison to Tatsuki movies where The first 20 minutes is just a series of events, which may or may not be related, but it sets how the movie's going to be. This one sets who the characters are going to be.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, a good uh, compare contrast is maybe Caliber Nine*'s opening, where they're passing around that stuff. And I love that opening. I think that opening is great, that first five minutes. Mm -hmm. But you really don't, I mean, like uh, the lead character there, uh, I forget his name. But he's not even in that, uh, and it's not really based off of character at all. It's just sort of setting up the plot, and you can tell that Salima, I think, is much more interested in, um, you know, I think I think you're 100% right. This, this film has a lot more character development than any of the other three Polizio Teskis you watched, a lot more focused on psychology and morals and stuff like that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think I agree with you. Um, for me, the other highlight was the, uh, last 20 minutes. And that's basically just, uh, Vito going against the system and seeing if there's some alternate way he can get out of his situation without killing, uh, Milo, um, and basically just failing, um, and ending the film as just like a broken man. Yes. Um, And I, I think that's just very effective. Um, and that's when the body count really starts to pile up there, uh. Yeah, it goes from, like,
1: maybe one or two to, like,
0: six. Yeah. And over it all, there's just sort of, like, we see certain characters from the beginning come back, like the police and stuff like that. And it's hard to know who's in on it, but the whole system is just so corrupt that uh, you just know that there's no way out of it.
1: I feel like they are all in on it.
0: It Uh, It gives you that feeling. Yeah. Or, or well,
1: I, I, more than the, we're all in on it. I mean, it's hard to know what it is, right? Whether or not they 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 are within a conspiracy to who, to do who knows what. That's the part I am not one hundred percent sure. So whether it's a conspiracy to do who knows what, or whether it is more about getting rid getting rid of problems you know uh it's like there, there's a conversation uh between Vito and uh and the defense attorney and the defense attorney is like look the system has its mechanisms the bureaucratic mechanism to get rid of problems we lock up bad guys and if we can't do it we do it in a, another way and uh an example of that would be you know both M- uh, Milo and then the the main antagonist, they have problems, and the cops don't care about, or the cop or the system doesn't care about how they go away, as long as they're gone. So I think when the cops ha- had uh, had had uh, Vito there, and you know they know they know that Vito knows who each person is. They're like,
0: you kill him, just, just kill him. Why why don't you kill him? Like right. I mean, that's basically what the end is, is like yeah. a bunch of different bureaucrats saying in different ways to veto, you're choosing between your wife and this guy. Is this really a choice? Yeah. And, and basically coercing him into murder. Exactly. And, and more importantly, its
1: you can see that there's a value system. It's like one life has a lot less value than the other. Right. Uh, and, and the antagonist, like at some moment, he, as I said, that part that I actually do like the police twist, When he goes to the cops, the cops convince him, and then you're like, all right, all right, the, the bad guy, he, he, he owns everyone. But then you learn, no, he, he's dead, they kill him, someone kills him, you don't know who, maybe the cops, which means it's, there's not no bad guy, it's the entire system, it's the entire society that is just heartless.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. That is the villain in this. The villain ends up technically dead in this, and you would think it'd be a happy ending, but certainly not the case for this film. Um, so, I think that's most of what I had. What do you make of the uh, dubbing in this film? Did it bother you at all, or take you some getting used to?
1: It, it took me some getting used to, um, especially with the with the pop star. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if the actor was bad, or the dubbing was bad. Uh, and and a little bit with Milo too, but, uh, I got used to Milo, or Milo, I got used to Milo's, uh, dubbing, but with the pop star, the, the voice and his face never matched. I'm not talking about the the wording, I'm talking about the emotions (laughs) being portrayed.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. this film takes me a little bit to get used to it as well, but, um, once I get into it a, a bit more, it's relatively fine. Um, anything you would change about this film? Um, Any criticisms? I, I mean,
1: I don't know what technology they had when they were shooting in the (laughs) Alps. Uh, maybe that's the best quality, uh, shots that they could have taken. But I believe that probably not. I believe you probably could have taken better shots in the seventies, maybe a better camera there. Because and the reason I'm pointing it out is because they you can tell that the location is really beautiful. You can tell also the location is sort of it's very impressive. However, the shots and the colors in in it were not good. (laughs) It almost felt like Technicolor.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Maybe I I bet you it's one of those situations where they only had like a day or two to shoot there for Mm -hmm. their budget and they were just. Very limited and limited by conditions and stuff like that. What do you think of the um, sort of Alps interlude uh, in particular? For me, that's the part that feels the most like a uh, spaghetti western or a western, where they're sort of out in a less urban area, um, trying to escape the uh, the police. I, I I liked it because
1: in on one hand you sort of have I, it allows you to to take in what's happening. Because I, I feel like uh, maybe you were right and uh, uh, when you said that it's sometimes hard to follow because, you know, many things are happening at the same time and then all of a sudden they're at the opposite. You're like, oh shit, okay. So they're like going full fugitives. Like they're escaping through the snow. Um, although I do wish there was a little bit more follow through, especially with the helicopter. <laughs>
0: <'Cause>, <laughs> it just kind of disappears.
1: Yeah, it's like, oh no, there's a helicopter. They're chasing us. Next scene, Paris. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you run fast enough, you can escape a helicopter. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah. Um, if it were up to me, I think the film probably could have chopped off 10 minutes or so. I don't know where it would be exactly. Maybe like parts with like that teacher, the person they meet in that classroom, mm. where eventually Milo turns the, the, um, uh, the stages on, on Vito um, and beats him up, and, and they eventually reach an agreement where they're closer to equals the problem is that scene is kind of pivotal for their character development and their relationship too True. so i don't know uh but i feel like it's a little bit long um for what it is but i i i have a hard time saying what i would cut
1: yeah i actually don't know either um i mean i wouldn't cut the whole scene. I don't know. There's some editing trickery you could have done. I mean, same with uh, the the scene where he sees his partner, the other warden, when he, after he died. Right. Uh, like I wouldn't necessarily cut that scene, but I feel like it has a lot of empty moments that do not add to the scene Mm -hmm. and dialogue.
0: So so you maybe just trim a little bit around the edges, 10 seconds here, 10 seconds there, and just cut it to a little bit more of a, uh, better length. Uh, what would you do if I came to your house with a prison warden? <laughs> you came to my house with a prison warden?
1: Uh, would I, you I would, do everything we said or? or? I'd be like, <laughs> get the hell out. <laughs> 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 Why are you having a warden here?
0: <laughs> Is this like the, uh, the the third amendment or the second amendment or whatever, where it's like, you can't bring the army to stay at someone's house? Uh,
1: that's a third, The quarter.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I yeah. don't think I think prison wardens are exempt from that. So I'll, I'll, I'm going to take a prison ward to your house next time.
1: Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: well, I hope I don't either. Um, well, I mean, it does, okay. right?
1: Like, if you brought the if you brought the warden because you know he's your friend and we're just having a couple of beers, I think that would be fine. <laughs>
0: Sure, sure, sure. If if our friend Nathaniel ends up being a prison warden, you'd be okay with me bringing him over? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I also wonder, the other criticism, I'm not sure if it's a real criticism I have of the film, is I wonder if they should have simplified the plot just a little bit. And maybe that's just my inner Nathaniel talking. But I like these sort of simplified plots of Italian connection and street law. And maybe this, by nature, just needs to be more complicated because it's sort of like you're talking about government conspiracy and stuff like that. But uh, it's, uh, I think, trying to figure out what in the hell is going on with the um, upper level villains is is hard to know. I just, I just don't think it matters. Okay, uh, fair. Uh, I think, I think the the
1: the, the, the exposition, the expositional scene with the uh, defense attorney, kind of makes it very clear, which is like it doesn't matter. It's just like the system doesn't want someone. So they want you dead. Uh, just don't fight it. Because if you fight, you will it, lose. you will lose. Um, right. I don't know. Like, that, that's why I think I was content enough uh, with, with basically not knowing who is in charge of what, because I don't think it, it matters.
0: Right? Yeah. And, and maybe some cases that ambiguity makes it more effective just because you're like, I don't even know who to blame for this. Uh, so it's uh, there's no easy bad guy here, and no. it points towards the idea that it's systemic um, rather than just some evil guy in the back, and you get him out of power and you're good.
1: And, I mean, exactly, and, and even more, uh, Vito was part of that system, and he is technically. But like in the movie, sort of the the biggest character growth in this movie is that Vito basically realizes that. Not only is he part of the system, but an integral part of it, Right. and that the system is not good.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, the system literally chose to uh, kidnap his wife and uh, basically make him smuggle a fugitive out of uh, Italy to France. So just to kill him. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, system not, not so great. Uh, definitely not a A or B. Probably like a D-minus or something like that.
1: (laughs) What do you think of of that uh, head detective, the the French head detective, the one with the glasses, the bald guy?
0: Oh, I liked him. Uh, Yeah. I thought thought he just sort of gave this sort of like, uh, I don't know, this sort of like, he he knows more than he's letting on feel to it. um, And he just doesn't make you feel very comfortable there's just like a feeling of unease he has like three minutes of screen time but he's like very memorable yes. i mean i think he did a good job of maybe in these spaghetti westerns it teaches you that you want to cast like a diverse group of different looking people mm-hmm. this film you're not going to get any of the characters mixed up with one another they all look different you have like pop stars you got hippies uh you got all kinds of people and they're all just physically very different and the bald warden or the bald cop yeah i i like him
1: yeah, no, me too. Uh, I wonder, I mean, even the way he's dressed is very different. And uh, you never know what he's thinking. but you know he's a scumbag.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, so one thing I wanted to try for this episode, uh, maybe in future episodes too, um, and I was going to bring up this up with you before we started filming, but I forgot, was just uh, who do you think won the film? Like, who do you like the most in this film? And it could be a difficult question. You could make the case for, like, maybe the director, uh, maybe one of the actors, maybe even more Coney or, or someone like that. Uh, but I'll go first so you can have time to think. Um, is I, For me, I think Oliver Reed is, like, the one sort of takeaway I'm going to get from this film. Um, and just that sort of, like, physical presence. I think it's, he's uh, really good in this film. And it's the only Polizio Teske I know that he appeared in. And I wish he did more because he's like, I don't know, having him in like the sort of good guy role, it's just a, it's just a different experience and, and he doesn't really feel like you're, he's both vulnerable, but he's also physically so intimidating that I just, uh, I just really enjoy it.
1: Ah, uh, man. Yeah, that's a good question. I, uh, I'm conflicted uh, between also Oliver Reed or the screenwriter. Uh one of the screen, whoever came up with the plot, I guess it's not necessarily the screenwriter, but whoever came up with the plot.
0: Yeah. It was uh, written by a few different people. I know the director was one of the co-writers of this too. So, okay. Um,
1: and, and just because I, I mean, it, it, they, uh, Oliver Reed on, 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 this, he worked really well with this plot because at the beginning, he's not necessarily a likeable guy. He's just very imposing, uh. Yeah, I mean, you, you, it, 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 it almost reminded me of uh, the the main guy from um, Street Law. But then, all of a sudden, as he's breaking and breaking. You can see it on his face that he's just getting more and more exhausted to a point where he almost feels like a puppy. Like, <laughs> and, right. and and I think the actor did a really good job with what he was given. So I, I don't know. And, this is one of those questions, actually, where you're like, is the director on the writing that make what makes the movie, what makes the actor shine or is it the actor that makes the movie shine?
0: Yeah. I mean, in this case, it's no doubt it's some combination of the two. Um, mm-hmm. And that would have been my secondary pick, too, is probably the director, Salima. Uh, but you make a good point with Reed. I mean, like the film opens with him, like they, they literally call him into work for this situation that he fixes in about 10 seconds by just charging at the guy and asking him if he's Japanese. Uh, <laughs> and it concludes with him just being totally overwhelmed by the systems. And it sort of shows you that this guy who's probably really good at his job, uh, or at least is perceived as being really good at his job, uh, is is no match.
1: Not only really good, but really strong mentally and, and physically. Uh, and right. I, I, that scene, the scene the, where he's controlling this man who this prisoner who just lost it, right? And he's going to kill himself. And to make that Japanese comment, though silly and funny, it's, I think, supposed to be portrayed as, like, also him being very smart, right? Saying, like, you're not going to kill yourself with a knife because you don't have the experience, you don't know how to do it, and you're not the type of person who could do it. You're going to fail. Your family will get no money. It's going to be worthless. Yeah. Uh, but, by the way, how the fuck did... uh?
0: Did an inmate get drunk? I don't, I don't know, (laughs) but I, I I do predict that that inmate might be falling down the stairs sometime soon. Oh, 100%. I
1: mean, when they were grabbing him, they were grabbing him by the hair (laughs) and just like kind of punching him as they were moving him along. (laughs) Uh, I think
0: he fell down a few stairs on the way to the, the, uh, the hole or whatever they do, solitary.
1: Right. But,
0: uh, yeah, no, I mean,
1: again, going back to your question, though, I, I think that's a good question. Uh, ever since the movie Joker, uh, that most of the time I actually give more credit to the director than an actor, especially like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, David Fincher making, um, what's his name? Well, David Fincher always picks, like, actors that are known to be bad, and he makes them look good, right? Mm-hmm. Uh but then you have the Joker where you have Joaquin Phoenix acting with a, a for a okay director. I mean the movie's okay, but Joaquin Phoenix is the person who makes the movie.
0: Yeah. You're not someone that thinks Hangover is the best film of the last 13 years. It was
1: funny when we watched it in
0: college. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean that i mean the joker is kind of the perfect example of an example of a film where you would say who won that movie it's like there's not even a conversation that it could be a director it's joaquin phoenix 100 percent. Right. yeah
1: but then it, uh with david fincher uh and uh i think gone girl is the best example where you have ben affleck no no ben affleck, i actually think think ben affleck is a good actor um Oh, Neil Tyler Patrick Perry. Harris? No, no, Tyler Perry. Oh, oh, Tyler Perry. Yes,
0: yes. Good, uh, good one.
1: Actually, same with Neil Patrick Harris. Neither of those two are necessarily good actors. Uh, yeah. David Fincher makes them shine.
0: Yeah. I mean, Tarantino, also known for not necessarily taking bad actors, but, like, just putting people and using them really well. Um True. Anyways, we're getting kind of on a tangent. So it sounds like you are a split vote between the creators, the writers of this film and uh, Oliver Reed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sounds sounds good. Uh, any, any last words about this film uh, before we wrap it up? Uh, yeah, I actually wanted to comment
1: on the prison. Uh, the escape was ridiculous. Like the prison ha- has loose boards keeping prisoners inside like the like the uh, like when Milo was escaping all he had to do was rip off, off a bunch of loose uh uh loose boards and that's it <laughs> i thought that was pretty hilarious like
0: yeah i recently watched uh, a french prison break movie called the troll and okay. that film they literally have to dig a hole like hike for two kilometers or so uh, break into the sewer system Dig another ten foot hole, and then uh, and then escape through the sewer and grab a taxi. And the whole film is them doing that. And then in the last five minutes, someone informs on them and they get caught. <laughs> <laughs> so this this is not the same prison. I mean, we could have made that uh, the prison break in to be more of a part of that uh, that film, but <laughs> you would have had to add like an hour to it or something. Right,
1: right. Well, I mean, now, now that I think about a prison break. Uh, the worst prison break scene that I've ever seen is, uh, Star Wars, um, uh, what was it? Uh, The Last Jedi, where you have a manhole literally in the prison, so they escape through the manhole.
0: Seems like a design flaw. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little bit. Okay. So, uh, if you need to escape from a prison, uh, maybe check out Milan if you want to commit crimes, uh. Not not the worst place to get locked up because you might be able to get out on your own. Although you'll uh, fall,
1: you will fall down the stairs very often.
0: True, true. You might suffer some uh, prison guard beatings in the meantime, but uh, it's also you know a twenty five percent chance of escaping, so not bad there. You can take your chances there. Uh, any other last words, Inyaki? No, no. I
1: think uh, I think that's that's all I got to say for this movie. I, I highly recommend it. I think this is probably was my favorite on the
0: police that's that's key yeah uh we are bringing on all films that i really like so i also highly recommend this film too definitely a, would you call this film a little bit classier and more complex than the other ones
1: yeah definitely yeah uh, okay especially with the dialogues
0: yeah i i think the dialogue is more thoughtfully written than the other ones which mm-hmm. you know are fine but they're nothing special uh do you know what we are watching uh in two weeks
1: we yes i do so we're going back to south america this time uh we're watching the argentine film wild tales so you get three for the price of one maybe four i forget so it's (laughs) uh it's
0: an anthology
1: so you get four different stories
0: right on sounds Um, good So, so uh
1: yeah
0: we'll be uh talking about uh some more south american films and then we'll go back to italy again i mean that seems to be the uh, the pattern of this podcast uh thank you all for tuning in uh you can uh shoot us a email at da film to film at gmail.com subscribe uh follow us on the twitter uh anything else i'm missing
1: uh we don't have any instagram page yet but uh if 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 people really want to see uh Our lovely pictures, then, uh, you know, let us know through email or Twitter.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You can let us know if we should be on Instagram or not. Uh, thank you all for tuning in and, uh, see you next time.